And we're talking today with Tom Smettinghoff, a partner at Wildman Herald, a Chicago law firm. Tom, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Just to get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work with the firm and, and of course, your work around federated ID management. Uh, sure. I um, I actually have a, a law practice that focuses very heavily on uh, electronic business activities of all sorts, and we deal quite extensively with data privacy, data security, electronic transactions, and those kinds of things. And as part of that, we get involved uh, quite extensively in a variety of different identity management issues, ranging from security compliance for access control to PKI systems and pull, pulling those kinds of systems together, as well as, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the newer um, forms of federated identity management, which are starting to sort of really come into, uh, into their own. Well, Tom, let's talk about federated ID management. It's a topic and a, co a conversation that people have been having for some years now, but in 2010, what's new here? Well, I think in part what we're seeing is is a real um, both national and, and international recognition of the importance of federated identity management. And maybe if I could back up for just a second and, and, and talk a little bit about what it is that we're dealing with here, I think that might be instructive as we go through. Um, and the best example I like to use is the process you go through when you uh, when you board an airplane at the airport and you go through security. Uh, the TSA could go through a process of identifying all passengers, issuing them some sort of a credential or an identification document, and then maintaining a database. And so as passengers go through, they would check them against that database and so forth. But what they do instead is really a whole lot more efficient and a whole lot more economical, and that's to rely on an identification process done by somebody else. Uh, in this case, it's a government entity typically that issues driver's licenses at a state level or passports at the, at the federal level. Uh, but by relying on this sort of identification by a third party, uh, it's much more economical, much more efficient, and uh, works better for everybody involved. And of course, the passengers don't need to carry an extra identification document. This concept is, is taking hold at the uh, electronic level, uh, where instead of websites and businesses identifying and authenticating every individual or business that they deal with, we're starting to look at using third-party identity providers to provide the identification that's needed to make the transaction work. And this is really what I think is, is attracting a lot of attention both domestically and internationally as a key solution to um, really scaling electronic commerce and electronic business activities to a higher level. And so what we're seeing, for example, is that when the Obama administration did its cyberspace policy review last May, one of its key recommendations was that we need to build an identity management vision and strategy for the nation. And he had another, uh, let me see here, it was a uh, National Security Advisory Committee report to the President on identity management strategy at about the same time that came up with a very similar recommendation. And so now we have the administration working on a process to develop what they're referring to as a national strategy for secure online transactions. Uh, and we're also seeing a fair amount of um, activity in this area. The General Services Administration, for example, now has a pilot project underway to um, allow basically citizens to interact with government agencies electronically using uh, various forms of identification, electronic identification, 
such as OpenID, InfoCard, and processes set up by another entity called the Kantara Initiative. Uh, and we see this in various industry groups as well, in the pharmaceutical area, in the aerospace industry, in the financial industry, and so forth. So I think we're going to see a lot of activity uh, and a lot of focus on uh, looking at various ways to really, um, you know, leverage the identity management processes that we need for a sort of a safe and secure electronic commerce uh, process. Well, Tom, you've done a good job sort of pointing out why organizations need to care about this now, but let me ask you, what are the challenges to implementing a federated strategy? Well, <laughs> uh, there's a lot, you know, and, and that's something you can't really minimize. There are, of course, technical challenges and, and, and cost issues and so forth. Uh, where I focus my efforts, uh, of course, is on the legal side of uh, dealing with federated identity management. And we look at, when we look at the legal challenges, I tend to basically put them into four categories. Uh, first and foremost is the sort of the general issue of privacy and security. When we do identity management, we're collecting a lot of information about individuals. We're then storing and communicating that information to a relying party. Uh, and, and, and so there's a fair amount of concern about, you know, what level of security are we providing for that information and, and what are the various entities doing with it. So privacy and security is a key element. Another big legal issue is um, liability, uh, particularly for identity providers who are concerned that when they go through the process of identifying somebody and then um, make that identification available to a third party, uh, what's their liability if they're wrong? Uh, and, and so that's sort of a big unanswered question when it comes to the legal side. Uh, third, from a legal perspective, in order to make this work, we, we really need rules. We need everybody who's participating needs to know what everybody else is responsible for doing and needs some assurance that they're really going to do it correctly or if they don't, that there's some sort of enforcement mechanism. And we're starting to see various contractual frameworks set up to deal with this. And then finally, there's a sort of an overriding concern that comes into play here about existing laws. There's, there's all kinds of existing laws in a variety of areas that touch on the identity management processes. And as you do this across borders, of course, that it complicates it even more. So when setting up an identity management process, you need to be cognizant of those existing laws and obviously make sure that the system complies uh, with, with the existing laws that are out there. One more challenge I want to run by you, Tom, and that's how in tough economic times a security executive can build the business case for federated ID management. What do you recommend there? Well, <laughs> that's always the $64,000 question when it comes to security kinds of issues. Uh, I, I think the biggest driver here is the, um, well, two things. One is it really, if done properly, can provide the trust framework that's needed to make significant kinds of electronic commerce activities really, really viable. Uh, and, and to the extent it can open up uh, more opportunities for businesses, I think it's definitely an advantage there. The other thing I, I guess I would focus on is the fact that the efficiencies and the cost savings that can be obtained through identity management processes, uh, it can really allow businesses to scale their electronic operations much more rapidly and much more cheaply. And again, just to highlight that, I go back to my uh, 
TSA example at the airport. It's a lot cheaper and a lot more efficient for TSA to rely on the identity credentials they get from the, the, the government agencies that issue driver's licenses, for example, than it would be for the TSA to do their own thing. Uh, and, and so I think from a business perspective, that does provide some very significant opportunities. Tom, one last question for you. Based on everything we've discussed today, if you could boil it down, what advice would you give to organizations that are weighing the federated approach now? Well, of course, I'm looking at it from the legal side, but uh, a couple of thoughts uh, from the legal side that I think are important. Uh, I, I think generally uh, everybody needs to recognize that they need what, it, what is starting to be called a contractual trust framework which is basically a set of agreed-upon rules that define the rights and the responsibilities of all of the various parties in, in an identity management or federated identity management situation. Because the law that exists today is, is really very sketchy when it comes to identity management, the parties need, really need to agree on the rules, and they need to agree on those rules in a way that will give them the confidence that everybody else in the system is going to perform properly. And then the second thing I would mention, uh, as I alluded to earlier, was that the law isn't very well developed here, but there are a number of varying laws out there that are going to affect the federated identity management system processes. So you need to be aware of those and watch out for them so that they don't cause you a problem as you, as you work through setting up these kinds of systems. Very good, Tom. I want to thank you for your time and your insight today. Okay, thank you very much. We've been talking about federated ID management. We've been talking with Tom Smettinghoff, a partner at Wildman Harrell. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.